Hey, Taylor. How are you, girl? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. You know, just trying to live the dream and kill the game every day. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) How's how's been training your classes going? It's been going really well. Um, I actually just took a week off, though, from training to go on a little vacation. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Where'd you go? I went out to uh, Breckenridge, actually, to do some camping out in the mountains. It was pretty spectacular, kind of cold. I mean, Breck is already. Beautiful. Yeah, Breck is yeah. very beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. What was the best part about your trip? Um, Probably just getting to disconnect from the world for a little while and, uh, you know, really enjoy my surroundings and um, just one with nature a little too one with nature um my tent kind of gave out at the very end there we went to the primitive campgrounds and it got a little sketchy oh i'm sorry i've definitely had that happen before bad tents and bad camping gear makes for an epic trip no bueno sometimes (laughs) but definitely an epic trip oh yeah uh and it was kind of it was good timing because it was there at the very end, but I'm definitely going to have to do some replacing in some of my gear. I know you are into that kind of stuff, right? Like, do you have any recommendations? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Nemo. Uh, they kind of came on the scene a little while ago and they've been around for a while, but their tents are awesome. And it's funny enough, the owner of the company had an experience much like you and it just, failed him and he was infuriated with it and then so then he set out to create amazing amazing products and if you're going to be doing like a lot of backpacking you know they make an aurora that is really good um but i would definitely check them out and if you decide to purchase anything from them if you use the promo code sends and suffers 20 you get 20 percent off you help the podcast okay i'm sold i'm definitely checking this out all right Well, hey, I look forward to seeing you in the gym later on this week, and I'm still excited. I'm going to try to catch one of your fitness classes, but i got to jump off here. But uh, it's good catching up with you, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Sounds great. I'll see you later. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. Today, I'm talking to Sierra and Garrett. These two individuals are the cornerstone of the Boulder Lounge in New Orleans, which is the only gym in New Orleans. Now, this episode was recorded about two summers ago, so some of the things might be a little off, but it's still an amazing goodie, and I'm very happy to share this with you guys. I hope you enjoy this episode, and as always, please like, follow, subscribe, leave comments, and share this episode with your friends, share the podcast with your friends, because we only grow and get better and get bigger by you guys sharing it. I appreciate you, and enjoy the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. As you guys know, you heard the intro. Uh, I am here in New Orleans, a city that I have recently started to love quite a bit. Uh, if you've been here, you know what I mean. And the only part about the city that I don't like is how it's making me gain weight. But I'll deal with that. That's a, that's a, it's a it's happy sneak, problem to have. You, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have had the privilege of climbing at the local gym here, Noble, and meeting some of the community leaders and crushers and. Some of these names you know, some of the names you don't, but I'm going to go ahead and let uh, these beautiful people introduce themselves. So let's go ahead and start. Hi, I'm Sia Blackstock. I'm the CEO at Noble and a setter and a climber, and I thoroughly enjoy the city as well. I had the, uh, the same influx of eating all of the deliciousness when I moved here. 
just a few years ago. Um, it does settle in at some point. At some point, you begin to eat some regular food again, <laughs> not just crawfish and not just pastas. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm Garrett Mortensen. I'm the CCO here and head setter and occasionally coach. Uh, I am also a transplant to New Orleans, been here for a handful of years, and I have not yet learned the trick to not eating all the food. (laughs) (laughs) So where are you guys both from? It's like, okay, so we definitely know who you are, but I guess where are you from and then how... But did both of you guys come from climbing backgrounds or both of you guys rock climb before you moved here? I started climbing through Groupon. I am the Classic. true, I am the true gym rat. Um, Groupon, like 10 punch pass in progression climbing in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And after the first usage of a, punch immediately went to rei and bought the los portivo tarantulaces oh classic yep and then it was on then it was on uh transitioned straight into a a membership from there and then moved to new orleans um and started climbing here at noble walked in on my first day at noble with my tarantulaces in hand and i said do you guys have a job (laughs) And then met Garrett and started working at summer camp from there. Yep, yep. Um, I'm originally from Michigan, actually, uh, by way of Rhode Island. And then found climbing with uh, a friend on just like a little trip to Pennsylvania. And and their family was going out for a climbing trip. And they just threw me on some rock and was like, all right, go nuts. It was the crappiest little crag I've ever been to in my life. Just broken glass everywhere. Chaucy rock. I didn't scratch an itch I didn't even know I had. So went back home, found a gym, and like never looked back. That's awesome. So why New Orleans? Like New Orleans. Is that am I saying that right? Am I supposed to say it a way? Pick your poison. I'll say it whatever way I please. Do whatever you want. All right. But like why here? Like people ask me the same time thing, like why you live in Dallas? And I'm like, are do you have any rock? And I'm like, no, there is nothing. I mean, we have a little bit near us, but not much. And then you guys are almost subterranean here. Almost, yeah. Almost. I, I mean, certain are. times of the year you are subterranean, <laughs> yeah. but I understand that. But yeah, why here? Oh, that's such a good question. We haven't, we haven't actually answered this know. yet, so don't push it. Is it a loaded question? <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't a very smart choice, to be honest. No, with I you. mean he's right. We should leave. We should leave. <laughs> I hear there are higher places to be. Right, places with rocks. <laughs> places with rocks. Um, I was in education before the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for a city to teach in, New Orleans is definitely that city. Um, Really? Yeah. Why? The educational landscape here is black diamond. (laughs) We'll say that. (laughs) It is tough. Um, And I started my teaching career in Chapel Hill where everything is just white picket fences. And then you come here and you see just how different people are based on their class and based on their race and how that has massive impacts on the way that they grow up and the way that they become adults. Um, And if you really want to make an impact, New Orleans is definitely the place to make that happen. So so you would say, like, if you're in the teaching world and you really want to cut your teeth and define your craft, this is the place to be comparison to going somewhere that's, you know, pretty white bread, pretty easy managed. But, like, you kind of have to be, like, at the top of your game in order to make moves here. I mean, I don't know much about the educational world. So that's, like, that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. But more, like, not just for personal development, but also for, like, not taking anything for granted. If you are truly trying to understand how education formed in our nation as a whole, New Orleans is a great place to get that, that under your belt. And do you feel like that kind of prepared you for what you do now here with Noble? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I hope so anyways. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Well, I guess you're doing it right. He's not complaining, so. Nope. Oh, thanks, G. Appreciate it. That was a good setup to make me feel good. <laughs> Just a nice little softball for you. Thank you. Nice, nice. No, well, I, I'm not a big fan of playing hardball. So, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. You'll know it's coming. If it's like, 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 uh, be like a little I, rev up. I, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't like to hide it, cloak and dagger. That's not my face. I choose yeah. to act like a panther. Like uh, I was talking to a friend and we were talking about big cats and panthers are one of the only animals that attack head on. The rest of them sneak up behind you. And I'm like, nah, that's definitely my, my style. Like I'm, if I'm coming at you, I'm coming at you. You'll I wasn't know. even aware that that's how panthers behave. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Someone might on the internet, uh, on the interwebs might correct me, but like mm -hmm. uh, all the big cats, majority of them attack the same, but some of them stalk that all of them have different techniques, stalking their prey, doing different things. Uh, but it's one of the few, I believe, animals that will just like, you see it coming. Ooh. So, I mean, they'll sneak up and then by the time you see them coming, it's too late. Could you imagine being such a badass? There's no need to hide. Oh, see, I was coming at this from the other direction. I was thinking about like being the prey. And, oh, okay. <laughs> That's like, not I, as badass. <laughs> I, would, I would choose any <laughs> other big cat because if that panther came at me, I would have like, my last moments in life would be peeing my pants. Yeah. <laughs> That would suck. What a way to go. <laughs> what yeah. a way to go. I'm not going to lie. I would just start swinging. <laughs> I would just immediately start swinging. I'd just like, listen, you're going to take, I, I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to at least break your jaw or at or least something. make you think, like, I at least want that cat to think like, wow, I had to work for this meal today. <laughs> not just jump out and kill. But moving on. This is taking, this is taking a wild turn. So, yeah, Garrett. So, I guess, like, so you came from Michigan. You've been here. Now, you were here at Noble first. And, like, how long have, actually, how long has this gym been a thing in general? Like, I'll be honest with you. I was pretty surprised when I found a gym in New Orleans. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so, Noble opened up August 6, 2015 at the Chapatulas location down uh, the riverfront area. Um, I'm like pointing on a podcast, like anybody's going to hear me, see me. I hope you hear me. Just point in a general direction, everybody. And that's the direction he's pointing. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that way. You want to go that way. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, um, the original founder of the gym is a dude named Eli Klarman and he is still very heavily involved, just not so much on the day to day scene, but he was putting together uh, a handful of meetups in the name of what would one day be noble. And so I went to a Slackline meetup and just messed around chatting with them. I had been working previously at a gym uh, out of Providence, Rhode Island called Rock Spot. Mm -hmm. And so got a little bit of experience there, cut my teeth in setting, all this stuff. Um, and touched base with Eli and was like, hey, I am like starving for an outdoor oriented community. I'm starving for a community that's not just like drinking or listening to music. I want something else to do. Mm -hmm. uh, New Orleans is incredible if you want to like drink and listen to music yeah. or if you like are really, really down to sweat a lot. But <laughs> I mean, you guys do have the greatest free sweat lodge I've ever been to, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Courtesy. No Never charge goes whatsoever. Away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was like starving for a community that wanted to like be body present and, and active. Um, and so ended up meeting up with Eli and kind of got in on the ground floor of, of what would become noble. And once it opened, uh, spent a little bit of time in two jobs between noble and my backgrounds in animal medicine. So at the time I was working at an animal hospital, um, and just eventually was like, I can't do both. So yeah. leaned into noble and here we are almost seven years later. Am I doing that math wrong? Six I years. Don't know. What year is it now? It should be really easy math, and it's not. No, <laughs> it's not, man. I tell people always ask me at the time. I had a friend who was like, on one day your podcast, you said you've been working ten years. Another way you said seventeen. Another one you said twenty. I'm like, you know, I realize you're just losing track of time because one, you're having fun, so you're not really paying attention. Mm -hmm. You only count the hours when they're terrible, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and but the rest of it, it's like. You know, I boiled it down. It's like somewhere around 17 and a half to 18, give or take one or two. Yeah. Uh, and it is a common thing, I think, for people who really love this industry. Like, you know, the, t the time is not the issue. The impact is. And I think that kind of like goes back to what you were saying, Sia. Like, I guess what going in the educational system is what prepared you for 
or like going into this educational system here, it sounds like you learned a lot about yourself. It sounds like you learned a lot of like what you can and can give. And like, I guess, I don't know. I, th I look at it as like when you're trying to coach a kid up a wall, like you're trying to let them know that the cup is fuller than they realize, but they can only see what they want to see. Do you see the cup half full or half empty, you know, in which you're trying to let them know, like, actually there's more water than half full or half empty. Well, let's just not pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And I guess where I'm kind of leading with that is, um, is have you, is there any way outside of just being the CEO, have you been able to bring like what you've learned from the community coach from an educator into building this community? Cause it's the one thing I noticed on Kaya and just being here, like, it's not massive because the gym isn't massive, but it is very well tight knit. Like everyone knows everyone and it's very obvious who is a day passer and which I think anyone in a gym knows for a while, you know who a day passer is, but even then it's like, it's very, very, very tight knit community here. And I was very, very impressed by that. Like the amount of everyone knows everyone here. Yeah, that's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing overall. It, can, it does have its downfalls. Um, there's no just like showing up to the gym and like chilling, not knowing anybody. You don't get a lot of private sessions. <laughs> um, I can see that. But there is still, there's a lot that you can do with a community of people that's there because they care about it. Nice. And what have you guys done and been doing, I guess, recently to build and maintain that during COVID? Because you guys, much like Dallas, are full on lockdown and I know it's stuff's getting real crazy here with Delta now. So like, what did you learn, I guess, from the previous situation and what do you guys have planned moving forward or do you have anything planned? I mean, I don't know. We are really just kind of holding on, <laughs> <laughs> just clutching the seat and hoping for the best. Um, but the benefit of having a group of people that, are so stoked to contribute something, whatever they have, so that we can have a climbing gym means that you're never like making a decision by yourself. You're never like just kind of flapping in the wind. You've always got the support net of people that are supportive, like actually and genuinely supportive. And like wanting to see the community as a whole succeed and survive and thrive despite whatever horrific challenges are going on outside the doors you know yeah that's dope that's real dope that's yeah. exciting and so kind of moving into more about the gym just like and if you guys are listening to this you guys come to new orleans flights are cheap by the way um <laughs> y'all should come out when shit calms down be responsible uh you know vaccinate do whatever you want but that's my opinion vaccinate wear a mask uh i guess like the next thing I'm kind of thinking about, and I'm just thinking about my experience being here and like, I really enjoyed the setting. I really enjoyed the community. I think this gym is definitely, it reminds me, it's kind of like this cross. Like I really see where you guys are. I see where the gym is heading in the future. And it reminds me of kind of like back in the, uh, like early nineties, you kind of had a lot, was it a rock climbing gym or was it a Woody? You know, right. and you have to ask that. And I think you do a really good job of teetering that because I don't know, I think those are where people got strong, like, yeah. cause you're really tight knit and it's not just about getting, uh, strong physically. It's definitely strong emotionally and that and emotionally and physically. And I think your community has that. And I think it's really nice. And it was just, for me, it was a blessing to see overall. Man, I'm glad to hear you say that. We, uh, or at least I originally cut my teeth in, in a gym with like crushed rubber floors, you know, the old tires oh, yeah. that they shredded and like my knees hurt. Falling just was listening. punished by, by virtue of hitting that. <laughs> so oh. you, uh, you, you kind of hit home for me on that one. I, I definitely loved that, that those communities were so tight because they were so small, right. Yeah. And like they had to be tight. And so having, just what feels like a scaled up version of that still exists is in my opinion, noteworthy and, and yeah, I would agree. Incredible to get to come into work every day and experience. So it's, yeah, it's nice to hear you say that, man. Right. Keep it, keep it up. I'm just going to keep bragging about it. I'm just happy <laughs> to be here. 
So, see, can I ask you a little bit about your involvement with Kaya? Because I know that's where most people would probably know you from any other fa uh, your face. Can you kind of tell the world, like, uh, you know, what is what do you do? What's your capacity there? And then what do you, like, what's your vision? What are you trying to do? Cause... So I am so very lucky to be on the community board at Kaya. Um, we are a group of people that meet up with the leadership team over at Kaya, just talk about the direction of the company and to talk about what it is that we hope the future of climbing culture looks like. And it's a cool meeting every time. It's like you walk in and you start to have these very philosophical discussions with people who are actually there to like take their really awesome brain and put it against your really awesome brain. And then what comes out at the end is just like cool ideas. And that doesn't happen often. There's a lot of like argument for the sake of argument nowadays. And mm -hmm. that's not what it feels like. It feels like a, I don't know. What, what is it? Like think tank? Is that what they call it? Think tanks. Yeah. And like, at the end, it's like a... A discussion. Yeah, it's an actual <laughs> discussion as opposed to just like, oh, we argued and that felt good. Right. Like, I was correct and I win. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, like, the role of gender in, in competition climbing. And we'll talk about, like, how we hope that climbing can contribute to and like help people push through really tough times when it comes to like race and racism we talk about i don't know what it looks like to actually put those things into place and it's a cool group of people to be a part of nice have you guys had an opportunity to put some of those things into action and yeah yeah um i guess you're if you're allowed to talk about them I'm thinking, uh, you don't have to answer it now. We can come back to it later. Yeah. Right? Let's come we, back we, to we it. Can, this is a podcast. We can chop and screw. <laughs> chop and screw. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're in the South too. So chopping and screwing is yeah. <laughs> Right. Let's just be honest. Uh, yeah, no, I guess. Okay. That's, that's kind of my thought. And so I guess collectively as a two, as you two together, cause you guys are pretty much the Goliaths of this gym. Like, where are you trying to take this? And I guess, where can we expect Noble to, or hopefully, it's assuming that the world doesn't go to hell in a handbasket. Uh, if it does, we'll figure it out. Hopefully it's got a bow on it, worse. at least. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've worked through worse. We're going to have to dress that damn thing up. Yeah. Uh, but, like, where are you guys trying to take this gym? And I guess, where are you guys trying to take your community in the next few years? Because this is something I've recently been trying to ask a lot of people, like, I, I think sometimes some people think it's a, like it's a selfish thought, but I think mm -hmm. if you're not actively really trying to move the needle then mm. like what are you really doing so where are you guys trying to move the needle of your gym and your community too yeah you mind if i take this first please do cool yeah um so for me uh i think one thing that's always been important to me and we've kind of enacted this with our our climbing team initially but i think that needle is starting to point more and more towards outdoor climbing so new orleans you think heat you think drinking you think music you don't think like climbing trip you don't mm -hmm. think like access to the outdoors and i want to start changing that perspective a little bit so figuring out how to get more of our members from their first visit to their first outdoor climbing session to taking friends outside to feeling competent and confident to travel and go wherever they want to like really apply what they've learned here and get to appreciate it in like the broader strokes that that can be climbing if you choose to take it there so i guess my access or my answer is more access than anything else and then i guess what's the closest thing that's accessible for you rope and boulders are both like separate i know hp40 which yeah. you, you and i have discussed yeah magical land huge both fan. love it big love big love for hp40 um so hp40 rocktown stone fort uh you know chattanooga isn't too far it's given given vehicular access yeah. um there's 
uh, Sand Rock isn't super far. Enchanted's not that far. Yeah, E Rock's not terrible. Austin's what eight hours? Right. You guys go to E Rock? Oh, there's is there nowhere near closer in Alabama? Because I've always thought there's got to be more like. I guess like hidden crags or smaller crags out in yeah. that area because it's not as flat as people like to think that it is. I yeah, mean, there's I've a, driven a lot through there. There's still like a handful of things popping up. There's a, a boulder discovered in Mississippi not long ago. Like, mind you, it's a single boulder in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> nice. There's <laughs> but boulder like he needs a, a boulder. <laughs> a boulder. There's a boulder <laughs> right. that's in. The state I hear of there's a couple too. of routes on in it. In the state. Uh, <laughs> nice. I'm not, not even I'm not our it state. It's important, the right? one next to us. <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> Silver lining, Sia. Silver There's lining. a boulder in Mississippi. They found it. Did someone bring uh, it there? <laughs> I'm just asking. I mean, it's a legit question. You can buy. It's, I mean, you can buy boulders nowadays. Right? Yeah, they're just, just rolling it across state lines at this point, just yeah, to, just to just have it. Go to uh, Home Depot and <laughs> pick up a boulder. Uh. But no, we, you know, we got uh, hospital boulders, which is like getting more and more That's built up. Spot. It's a really nice spot. More and more built up every season. Uh, what do you guys like about that zone? I've never been there. Hospital boulders? Yeah. So I think um, if you take stone fort and horse pens and smash them together, yeah. uh, it's a pretty incredible little site. Um, That's similar, similar rock structure to horse pens. But the lines feel a lot more similar to Stonefort, in my opinion. Ooh. Yeah, it's a nice little spot. That's the sickness. We're actually yeah. taking, um, taking the climbing team kids out there end of September in conjunction with the SEC to do a cleanup day and nice. just like mess around, have fun. Nice. Now, what, like, I guess what are the steps that you guys have taken to like really kind of, one, introduce it to people? I mean, obviously you're introducing it to people within your community. Are you stretching outside of the walls of their community? And like, how do you cross the barrier of booze and music? Well, booze and jazz, which yeah, I'm going to stick with the jazz part. The booze we can leave alone, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's good, but small amounts. Uh like, how are you really kind of like selling this? Because this doesn't seem like, this seems like Texas. Like you're running the same problem. Like, I'm like, oh, let's go rock climbing. And people are like, go, what? Do you know where you live? Right. Yeah. It is not always an easy sell by any means. Uh, I think our, our biggest pushing point there is the heat. We, we sit here and we say, hey, you want to go rock climbing? They're like, what? Why? Well, because we have air conditioning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fair enough. By day pass, the AC's free. <laughs> right. You get to breathe easy for like 30 minutes until you realize that the, the air is just fountain. tainted with chalk. Oh, <laughs> nice. I like this bait and switch that you got going on. <laughs> and then as far as going outdoor climbing and making that jump, I'm guessing, is it a pretty easy sell for people when you guys have been doing it? Or is it still kind of a hard hurdle? Because it, it just, like I say, in Dallas, for me to take people outdoor rock climbing, unless they already know about it. Mm-hmm. It's a hard sell. Now, hopefully with, you know, you know, Nathaniel Coleman and Yanya just murdering the world uh, and everybody else you guys did. Those are just the two names that popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but rock climbing will become a lot more popular. Um, are you kind of prepared for that in a way or just going to kind of take it as it comes? But I guess I'm really curious, like, how do you really are people wanting to make the jump to go outdoors? Because it just doesn't seem like that anyone would want to do that here. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's it's kind of two schools of thought there. There's the, hold up, I have to be in the woods to do this. Mm. And then there's the, holy crap, I just discovered climbing. I can't wait to explore all of the facets of it. So you're really dealing with like a couple of different uh, mentalities surrounding it, right? Um, and I think that the big advantage that we have, again, falls down to our, our community. We have so many people who are so prepared to like, share camping equipment, to share rides, to share what they know about the spaces, to like educate other climbers. We have so many people that are so willing to give that it makes that transition much, much less daunting for a new climber. That makes sense. Yeah, that's dope. All right. Sia, what's your plan? How are you going to take rock climbing to the next level? Diversify it, (sighs) edify it, magnify it. Yeah. Pimpify it. I mean, I don't know. Pimpify it. 
I think I need a t-shirt that says Pimpify. Pimpify. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, pimping since pimping was pimping since pimping. I mean, it's a thing. Uh, our nearest plan is um, is increasing our presence on HBCU campuses. Um, we've got quite a few historically black colleges and universities in New Orleans, and building community in like this very personal way is something I've always wanted to be a part of, mm-hmm. and is the way that most people really come into climbing. I think. Yeah. You have like this human being who introduces you to this thing and then you're there with them and then that network continuously grows. I hope to be that person and to find more folks that will be open to being that person on HBCU campuses. I think this is true for a lot of climbing gyms, but universities are these like little bubbles of network starters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And so if you, as a climbing gym, have a presence on a university's campus, you, you have a, a pretty great source of human beings that are going to be there and um, at your climbing gym. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen a lot with the HBCUs. So we're, we're going to hopefully increase access for those students coming up this fall. Was it your idea to kind of start reaching out to those communities or is this something kind of in like a long-standing tradition of the gym? Um, I would say it's always been there as something that like needs to, needs to increase. We haven't really done a lot of like marketing or like yeah. market research as the climbing gym because we do have a, such a small square footage. Yep. We're always managing and caring for the member base that we have. Mm-hmm. But now that it's, you know, for me, it's really just time to, to focus and care for those communities in a more intentional way. Um, we've got members who come to our community nights uh, for our Collective Liberation Climbing Night on the second Saturday of every month um, who go to those campuses or like who go to school at those HBCUs or who their professors at those HBCUs. And they're like, man, I want my whole class here. And I'm like, let's do it. But that's never like launched in an official way. Okay. And I think there's a cool way to get it started. We're gonna, we're gonna try. We're gonna try. It. I believe you. I believe in you. And just, I want to give the view, the listenership, kind of a little perspective. What is the actual square footage of the climbing space of your facility? Four. <laughs> four feet. We have four, four square foot feet by yeah. four, four foot square. Four <laughs> cubic feet. I mean, it might feel like that. I mean, you're missing you're missing a couple of zeros, but the the answer is right. not bad. Um, I think the the square footage of the actual building is about four thousand square feet. We have four thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's including bathrooms. That's including offices. So what about that's, just the actual climbing square footage? Yeah. So climbable surface is about two thousand square feet. So to give you guys a perspective. Most of you guys who are listening to this, because the internet tells me, you know, the demographics of the ages that people are listening to this, say y'all are young. I know mm-hmm. it's okay. But if you're thinking about like buying your first home, like I am, most people's starter home is around 1400 square feet. It's like a two bedroom, one bath or a three bedroom, one bath in Texas, wherever that home is the size that home is just about the size of the bouldering area. The bouldering area might be like a little bit bigger. So maybe add in like the sideway on the yards on each side of that home. And then right. that's the entire square footage of the bouldering. It's small. Now pack a whole gym's worth of members into your house. Yeah, make it a publicly accessible space. <laughs> I mean, dude, I've had, back in the day, I had pay the rent parties. So Right, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh, rent parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Remember that? Back in the Remember 90s. having friends? Yeah, yeah. Oh, life before pandemic. Yeah. Seeing more than 10 people at a time. What a strange concept. Oh, my gosh. I mean, actually thinking about it, I'm kind of good with the 10 people at a time thing. That would be sweet. I'm an introvert. I mean, I I, I, I could could feel that. I I, I mean, I feel that energy. I'm good with it. I ain't not not going with your bad self. I ain't mad at you. (laughs) I can feel that. Yeah, I've definitely, I do well in the crowd, but I've always preferred to have like maybe 10, 15 people at the casa hanging out. Okay, it's time for y'all to go home. Nine o'clock. Got to go. Uh, Good night. Doors that way. 
my mom back in the day when we would have like a cookout or like after church dinner or something at the house, she would just go to bed. <laughs> oh. She, she, I mean, she would say a few times, she would clean up the kitchen and she would say a couple times, all right, y'all, I'm about to go to bed. And then she would go to sleep. <laughs> she would go, to, go home, go to sleep. That was it. Oh, wow. I remember back in the days of house parties and we're kind of going off crazy here, but I was definitely that guy who would bring a tent to a house party because mm-hmm. I, I drank too much. I didn't want to drive. So I'd pop up a tent in the backyard and just go to sleep. And people yep. were like, you're crazy. I'm, like, I'm done. No, I'm comfortable. Good. No, no, no. No DUIs here. Oh my gosh. So we're kind of going on a tangent all over this. See, I think New Orleans just makes you talk about drinking and partying more often. Mm-hmm. I think it's the spirit yep. here. No, no, that's a thing. So it's just like literally people, infused. So if people wanted to get involved in the jam, they're kind of to help you guys grow the narrative. And I'm hoping that we're having people from New Orleans listen to this. Like, what is the best way for them to get involved? And what is the best way for them to help, you know, the growth of the outdoor community, the growth of really getting on campuses and expanding that and anything else? I mean, whether you guys are building something bigger and better in the future, like what is the best way for people to get involved and to help? Send the homies. <laughs> what did you just send say? the homies? Send the homies. Send the homies slash bring too. the homies. It would be so fantastic to have more members and more diverse staff. And if anybody's looking for a part-time job, I got you. Oh, oh, <laughs> employment you are opportunities for a part-time job. I know. Just the person to hook you up. Um, We're looking for part-time staffers on the front desk and people to learn how to eventually be setters. And for folks that are looking to like understand the physical mechanisms involved in climbing, want to eventually become private coaches, all of those learning opportunities exist in the gym, Um, as well as membership. Like your first 30 days, it's only $45. Did you, did anybody hear that? It's only $45 for your first 30 this, days. This is a climbing? strong plug right now. You're, you're, you're pushing hard. <laughs> I am mad at you. If you want to become a member, it's not that bad. And then we also do tiered pricing. So if you like really can't afford our standard pricing, uh, you can have an access and equity rate. And that's cool. We also do subsidized memberships. So for people who can afford to pay a little bit more, it helps us to offer memberships for less to other folks. Oh, that's cool. That's actually, I've never heard of that before. Someone can pay a little bit more to help out the community. Do you guys have a fair amount of people that do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do. Whoa. Yeah. Whose idea was that? And can you, can we go into, can we get into that a little bit and unpack that idea? Like, I don't, I'm I've traveled a lot and I've traveled a lot of gyms and I talked to a lot of coaches and a lot of setters and a lot of people. And this is the first time I've ever heard anything like that. Like who's that, who's idea was that? How did you convince people to do it? Or oh, I'm sure they wanted to. Yeah. And like, like how does exactly does that work? I mean, I'm sure it's pretty straightforward as far as the money goes, but the spirit behind it. Yeah. I spent a lot of time leading nonprofit organizations before working in the outdoors. And it turns out that if you just trust the people, there's a lot of folks that have extra that don't mind giving extra. And if you give them the opportunity to, you can help out a lot of folks that way without having to like, I don't know, victimize people or victimize their stories. Um, And so we just took a huge risk (laughs) and said that you could pay these things like three, three tiered, three tiers to our pricing. And, uh, we did some pretty deep digging to find out what our true standard cost would, our standard price would need to be. Mm-hmm. And then we did a markup and a markdown um, so that hopefully for the number of people that have a little bit extra, it would help us cover the folks that don't have enough. And it works, turns out. Um, there's a lot of people that do tiered pricing in a lot of industries. I don't know how many of them are in the outdoor, but. I've never heard of that in a climbing gym, though. That's the first. This is the very first. I'm sure someone else does it. I'm sure they but, do, yeah. Um, but like I said, I've never actually heard of it actually being 
done and successful. And that's pretty rad. Yeah, we've been at it for almost almost a year. Yeah. Almost a year, and it worked. That's awesome. And then how many members, I guess, do you know, Ballpark, do you know how many members that actually take advantage of that tier system so they can't afford to actually be here? Ooh, I would have to look at the numbers. But it's a good just question. Ballpark. I know we have at least a handful of people that climb at the gym for free. I know we have at least a handful of people that are at our excess and equity rate. Mm-hmm. And it all ends, the math works out. There's, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the cool thing is that like folks self-regulate, you yeah. know? They're like, I want to be a part of this and I want to be a part of this in the best way that I am able to. And that's how they show up. So like Sia said before, you trust the people and give them the opportunity to take care of themselves and take care of you at the same time. And I mean, turns out they want a climbing it, gym. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Yeah. Dude, that's freaking cool. I like I said, I'm kind of like bewildered. Like that actually is a concept that was working and I hope more gyms or owners or people who are listening to this, like really kind of take advantage of that because that's really cool. And it's, it seems like a very, once you kind of found out your true number, if you guys ever listen to a podcast called choose FI, they say like, find your FI number. Like once you try and your find your new true number, go up or down and then create opportunities for people. So that's cool. I'm really excited that you guys have created an opportunity for people to climb no matter what. Cause uh, my buddy Devin Dabney just dropped his, uh, if you guys haven't listened to it, American climbing podcast, he dropped his uh, snowflake advertisement, mm. which is amazing. And uh, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away for probably by the time this comes out, you guys have already heard it, but he made a, a pun, a fun little pun about how the day pass was a hundred dollars a month built in a low income community. The gym is built in a low income community. <laughs> and it's just, it, it is true. I mean, true. I'm not saying that all gyms are gouge price gouging by any means. And I know a lot of them out there are trying to really make climbing accessible and make it equity. And also some of them are just owned by big corporations and they just want to make their buck. They, they just need to make their balance sheet. They don't really care about anything else but their balance sheet maybe on the ground they say they do but you know put your money in, put your money in your heart where your mouth is mm-hmm. that's what i always say um but it is pretty rad to hear that that's cool you got any, you guys got any, any other like secret ninja shit that you're doing <laughs> i don't know garrett are we in other ways being ninjas uh, you know, I don't identify as a secret ninja, but I am very excited to. So I'm going to figure out how the hell to do that. <laughs> we'll work on it. Um, another, I think, Garrett, cool things that you're up to in the, in the actual climbing department. Um, the setting internship is a cool, cool way to get, into, get access to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. I know when I was coming up in setting, it was very hard to get a drill in your hands. I mean, it was hard to get a t-wrench in your hand when i was yeah. learning um you had to like basically stand against a wall while someone pressure washed you to get into setting <laughs> yeah no, i remember the days of pressure washing for free for hours mm-hmm. days, hours. years forever yeah. turns out that's called hazing turns out there's a name for that <laughs> wow it's bad and not necessary boom um yeah, so Garrett set up this uh, setting internship program where you actually put in your application that, like, it exemplifies your passion for getting access to that knowledge. And then Garrett has an entire learning curriculum that you go through. And uh, eventually you can become a staff setter That's after cool. you've completed that program. And then you can start contributing with your, your own route. So that's the... Yeah, that's, the radical stuff happening on that side of thing. That's been a fun one. We've got we've got two interns right now, and both of them are very very new. But it's super super fun having them come up and just be like, "I've got 19 ideas, and I only have three routes this week. How do I handle this?" <laughs> one move at a time, but <laughs> yeah, I remember smash my, uh, them all together and hope it works. Yeah, <laughs> 14 feature routes on a two move boulder route. <laughs> that's awesome. My old uh, mentor is like, just get the shell on the wall. We'll make everything work. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get, we'll, yep. It will work. 
Well, that was awesome. Well, I definitely want to kind of get ready to bring this thing to a close with you guys, but I really want to kind of give everyone the opportunity to kind of support you guys professionally. We've talked about that uh, now personally. Um, and you can give a shout out to anybody. This is kind of your opportunity just to say hello to the world. But like, if people want to support you guys professionally, and well, already professionally, we said that personally, how can they do that? And how can they help you kind of move forward and support you in what you're doing, or at least support the areas that you're trying to like make moves in? And, you know, I think here in New Orleans, you guys are definitely really growing the outdoor community. I can't, you know, outside of like, you know, watching people try not to fall into a, a swamp, taking pictures of a gator with their <laughs> cell phone. I don't really know what else everywhere. to do out here, which I did watch that almost happen yesterday. I was literally, this little kid was like, mom, it's a gator. And then it turned and it opened its mouth. And I was like, that's a sign that means leave me the fuck alone. Let's run. Yeah. And the kid was just like, oh, it's saying hi. And I'm like, this is not going to go over well. And, you know, and between the giant banana spiders and the gators, I was just like, this is just, this is a disaster waiting to happen. I'm yeah. leaving. That's New Orleans in a nutshell. Disaster waiting to happen. Oh. <laughs> that is exactly what's happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But how can we help you? How can we make you know, make what you have going better? If we can. If anybody has experience with outdoor trips, they like are super stoked to share. I'm down to listen. Mm. There's a hurdle in the in the outdoor industry and getting people outside. And I think some people have got it down to a sign. I would love to talk to those people. Okay. Uh, I think for me, it would come down more towards uh, access for youth and like figuring out fun ways to provide transportation or provide access in, in these communities that like may not have the ability to like get around because mom and dad are both working or like mm -hmm. guardian is working all the time, two, three jobs. And like the kid just wants to climb. Like, let's figure out how to make that happen. Dope. Oh, hell yeah. Can we also do, I just realized, did you have an example from earlier where we talked about with your work with Kaya? Oh, Ooh, called out. I know, I know. I had, it was in the back of my brain. I was sitting there thinking about it and I was like, why do I feel like I'm forgetting something? I didn't know. Just because I, my listeners will definitely call me out on it. They're like, you asked a question and then you didn't go back to it, yeah. Mario. Right, right, right. And then they will straight troll me. Yeah, that's a good listenership. I'll just troll the hell out of the host. That's the best. Yeah, I mean, I like it. It, it makes me feel special. Holds you accountable, right? Um, yeah, right now we're really working on the internal structure of Kaya and thinking about as a small company grows, how do you take what is just like the personal missions and visions and values of a small group of people and have it scale, especially when you're talking about a company that has such a big influence over the culture of the industry. Yeah. How do you, how are you sure about what you're going for and how do you have assurance that everybody's on board for that? Okay, cool. Lots of values. All right, cool. Well then I, we look forward to seeing what you're going to create out of that. And I'm looking forward to seeing the growth of Noble. And I want to thank you guys for your time. It's been fun having a chat with you. I just wanted to kind of really meet you and meet your community. I was already, as I said earlier, super impressed for it. And I look forward to catching up with you guys in the future and having a couple more conversations if you'll have me. So, yeah. yeah. Stoked to have you fun. for a guest set too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Just we gotta get this Delta situation. Hopefully, a Delta doesn't turn into a Beta or a Sigma, and like we need to. I think oh. Delta Plus is on the rise. Oh, oh Delta our, Plus. Our, yeah. Is it like Disney Plus? Yeah, I mean they didn't even go like Epsilon or anything. They went well, Delta we, Plus. We got a Lambda now too. A Lambda too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, is it, do they name these things like hurricanes? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't know. I to, listen, last season we got to the point where they were like, "We're out of names. We're just going to call it." 12. Oh, last hurricane it's season. It's number twelve. It's coming oh. at you, duck. Duck. <laughs> that was the advice last hurricane season. Right. It was. You're like, ooh. Just like stay low. <laughs> <laughs> Put your car up somewhere high and. Uh, the neutral ground. We won't write a ticket. We'll <laughs> see you in a month. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is the first place I realized like. 
people are parking their cars on like on the medians and everything like that. And I was like, is this just a thing? And then someone told me, it's like, yeah, when it floods, so your car doesn't float away. And I'm yeah. like, excuse me? Yeah, yep. the day I moved here, my car was full of water. Yeah, that happens. I didn't realize that like they didn't write tickets to park on the neutral ground, which is what we call the median. Mm-hmm. Uh. They send a text message to the whole city like, hey, we're not going to write any tickets for the next few hours. You can park your car on the median. See, I had a, a similar but different experience where I didn't realize that that was a citywide text thing. And I was like, oh, you can just park here. Oh, and so I got two tickets before I figured it out because I'm not very clever. Oh. Dang, Garrett. <laughs> you got well, a ticket in the ticketless city. Yep. <laughs> like, what happened? Yeah. yeah. What happened? Oh, my God. Well, thank you guys for being my guests. And I look forward to hanging out with you and Sins and Suffers fan. Please check them out. Uh, Noble on, Noble's on Instagram. It's on all the things, and these guys are easy to find. Where can where can they find you online? Uh, climbnoble.com, at climbnoble on Instagram. I'm pretty sure we have a Facebook, but I haven't been oh, on it Facebook? in a minute. Facebook, yeah. <laughs> and then if they want to find you guys personally and help you, if you want to share, if you don't, you can remember, you can be a straight secret ninja and just not make <laughs> them, not let them know. That's true. I mean, yeah, you know, it is. Your th- I mean, you kind of already out there, so you're, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. SOL, man. Um, you can follow at Collective Liberation Climbing on Instagram. Nice. I don't have social media. I'm Garrett's just a secret troll. Ninja. You'll find him with the chickens under God Mod at HP40 only. Hell no, you will not. <laughs> that thing's hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we're done. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. This was a trip down memory lane for me. New Orleans is beautiful, beautiful food, beautiful culture, beautiful music, and obviously amazing climbers. That gym is the smallest little power pack dojo, one of the best that I've been in. If you haven't had a chance to go to New Orleans and check out the Boulder Lounge, please do. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, Please like, follow, subscribe, share. And if you're not suffering, are you even sending at all?